if you're not constantly taking things off your plate and handing them to other people, you're just gonna keep loading yourself up, loading yourself up, and, and eventually you're, it's gonna explode one way or another. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker, and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey guys, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here, episode 76. This week, we sit down with Nathan Hirsch. Nate is um, a serial entrepreneur. He started his first company, Portlight, whilst in college in 2009, uh, starting off in his dorm room, buying and selling textbooks. And over five years with his business partner, he scaled the company to over $25 million in sales. He expanded to work with over a thousand suppliers in home, baby and toy products and hired a team of over 50 people. So learned a lot in that process and out of frustration from hiring specifically sort of virtual assistants um, for, for the first business, uh, Nate's with his business partner founded FreeUp in 2015. He started with uh, really low with a turnover of um $5,000 and in just four years scaled it to $12 million a year in annual revenue, at which point they were acquired. So we talk with uh, Nate around his lessons in entrepreneurship, his lessons around scaling and growing businesses, and also about his new venture that will enable you to learn how you can get better use out of the incredible resource of a portfolio of virtual assistants. So straight into the episode now with Nathan Hirsch and um, of Outsource School and formerly uh, of uh, freeup.com. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Gavin Preston here with Nate Hirsch. So uh, Nate's a, an entrepreneur. He's an expert in remote hiring and e-commerce. And he co-founded, grew, scaled and sold at freeup.com. Nate, welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. So your journey in terms of the world of entrepreneurship started, um, what, 10, 11 years ago? With a, with, a, with a business, uh, with your college dorm mate. Yeah, I started out of my college dorm room uh, buying and selling people textbooks. I remember getting really upset that the school bookstore was ripping me off. I was paying hundreds of dollars for textbooks. And at the end of the semester, they would offer me pennies on the dollar. So I said, you know what? I can make more money selling them myself to online distributors, to Amazon. And this was 2008, 2009. No one really knew what Amazon was. And, and I could also get other people more money and still make a profit for myself. So I started buying and selling people's textbooks and selling them to online marketplaces. Got a cease and desist letter from my college telling me to, to knock it off, which was a, a pretty big shock. But that's how my entrepreneurial career started. And from there, I, I pivoted. I, I didn't want to get kicked out of college. I became obsessed with Amazon.com. And I thought it was so cool I could have the storefront that operated 24-7. All I had to do was figure out what products to sell besides books. So then I started experimenting with all these different products and eventually came across baby products, which was a booming industry. And, yeah. and that's really how I got started selling baby products on Amazon. Wow. And that business grew over time. So you, you, were, you still, were you still at college then at that stage when you were doing that? When you yeah, I was... 
1920. And I, I ended up graduating college, but never really used my degree. I graduated and I just took this Amazon business and continue to scale it. Fantastic. And uh, mainly with baby uh, products or did, it, did you sort of expand the reach beyond the, the, that segment? So baby toys and home goods, that's about as far as we reached out. Great. Um, and, and then you ultimately sold that business? No. So we were doubling every year. We we're growing fast. I, I ended up selling total over $25 million on Amazon, but we were drop shipping. We, we didn't have a brand. We didn't even have a, a customer email list. It was all on Amazon. They owned everything. And we thought that, yeah, we were going to take over the world of this Amazon business. Well, we got in at a good time before people knew what Amazon was, before the, the courses and the gurus. And all of a sudden, the courses and the gurus started to come out. And Amazon started to change their algorithm. And it became harder and harder to run an Amazon business. So we were still making money. We would, make two, we would sell $2 million one year and 3.5 the next, and then be back to 2.5. So we were, we were doing all right. We we're still making money. But we were selling products we weren't passionate about. We weren't selling product. We weren't passionate about baby products back then. And our business wasn't growing anymore. And we didn't have a brand. We were 100% depending on Amazon. And that got old really fast. And we ended up starting a few different side businesses, one of which was FreeUp. And FreeUp quickly took off and, and blew up and surpassed the sales of our Amazon business. And we decided to focus on that. So uh, for those of you uh, listening don't know about what Free what FreeUp uh, do, do you want to explain that, Nate? Yeah. So throughout this, throughout scaling this Amazon business, hiring was always an issue. Part of which, because I was really young and it was really tough getting adults to take me seriously. Hiring college kids was a disaster. They were drinking and smoking weed and not taking my business seriously. Yeah. And I learned about the, the world of virtual assistants, hiring people from all over the world, outsourcing. And I thought it was so cool. I was addicted to it. I, I wanted to build a, a VA army. Well, I started hiring people on Upwork and Fiverr and I made some pretty good hires, but I also made some bad ones and it just took up so much time to post a job, get 50 people to apply, interview them one by one. And I kept wanting something better, something faster. And I kept looking and looking for a better marketplace. And when I couldn't find one, I said, you know what, I'll I'll build it myself. And that's really when FreeUp came about. It was the idea of what do I want in a marketplace? I want a place that pre-vets, virtual assistants, and freelancers, and agencies before they even get on, so I'm only dealing with the best. I want a place where I don't want to post a job and get 50 applicants. I wanted to put in a request and get someone quickly who would get started right away, so I don't have to wait two weeks to go through a lot of applicants. I can just get going with the project, and then I wanted great support in case anything went wrong, and a no turnover guarantee. If someone quit, I wanted someone to take to, to protect me, to cover replacement costs. And that's really the marketplace that I built with FreeUp, the pre-vetting, the speed, the customer service and the protection. And it turns out other people wanted the same thing. And, and how, does the, how did the, uh, the pre-vetting work then? You had to build a team of people that would act as, act as kind of recruiters then remotely to do the pre-vetting? So we built out a recruitment team. We call it our recruitment team, our our freelancer success team. Uh, And we would get tons of applicants and we had built a pre-vetting process from our Amazon business. I wouldn't say it was final, but it was pretty good. It took us years and years to build this process, vetting people for not just their skill, which was a part of it, but their attitude and their communication as well. And we, we were very confident that yes, once, yes, it took a while to go through this process, but once they got through it, that they were going to be a pretty good hire. 
So we took that process and moved it to free up and we started getting lots and lots of applicants and putting them through the process. And the people that got through would get access to the marketplace, get access to our client base. And that's really what the free up vetting process started at. It was our process from our last business that we had spent years developing moved over to free up. So obviously you were creating a, a marketplace from scratch. Um, did you first start on building up the customers, the, the demand side or the supply side in terms of that marketplace? Yeah, good question. So we had this Rolodex of freelancers, of BAs that we had used for the Amazon business. And right. we didn't use them all full-time or part-time. I mean, busy season is the fourth quarter in e-commerce. So you'd need a lot of people for busy season and then not as many the rest of the year. So sure. we had to develop relationships with lots of different people that we trusted. So we already had that ready, that pool ready to go. We, we asked who was interested in this new marketplace we were building. And when clients reached out to us, we said, hey, here's Bob who I've worked with for two years. He's a great graphic designer. Use him. And, and that's really how we got off the ground was, hey, we have a pool of really good people. Now we'll go find the clients. And then once our pool ran out, we had to start recruiting and getting more people into the marketplace. Fantastic. And, uh, and, and obviously you, you actually had to do the whole dev piece then in terms of build the platform. And I think that was the, the biggest struggle, at least for the first two years, because with the marketplace, you've got the client side, you got the freelancer side, and then you got the software that holds it all together. And I'm not a developer. My business partner's not a developer. We took a developer from our Amazon business and it took us a good year and a half before we looked at ourselves as a software company. We had launched free up with the minimum viable product. I mean, our software, excuse me, our software, you could log in, log out. You could see the freelancer on your account. The freelancers could clock in and clock out and log their time. And that was it. The software didn't do anything else. <laughs> so if people wanted to submit a request for a virtual assistant, they would have to call me, email me, Skype me. If we wanted to bill people every Thursday on our billing day, we would have to check every invoice and manually charge every credit card. So wow. over over time, we built out automatic billing. We built out the, the ticketing system of putting in requests and filling it and the project board for the freelancers and, and, and all the other stuff that clients and freelancers want. But we really got it out there as bare bones as possible and, and listened to feedback and made it better. And once about year point five came around, people loved our freelancers. People loved our customer service. The freelancers loved how many great clients we had on the platform everyone hated our software. <laughs> so we had to really take a step back and say, okay, we're a software company. We need to hire more developers. We need quality assurance people. We need systems and processes to prioritize different upgrades and launch them so it doesn't break everything and, and fix bugs. And we really restructured the whole dev team to be more like a software company, which gave us a huge advantage going forward. And you know, what I hear from there is that you, um, you went to the market with a minimum viable product. You didn't wait until it was perfect or even much more than the very bare, the bare bones and the basics. You still went out there to test it to the marketplace to get some traction, to get some revenue and get feedback. That's it. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. So it must have been, um, given the fact that you, you didn't have a great deal of automation and the, and, and the site was limited in its capabilities, you were actually having to use quite a lot of VA. It's quite a manual um process than in the early days. 
Yeah, I mean, VAs did everything. They continue to do everything. I mean, when we sold free up, we had 35 full-time VAs. They would handle all the recruitment. They would handle our social media. They would handle all the customer service. They would handle filling tickets. They would handle the billing. Although we automated a lot of the billing, you're still getting a lot of requests for, for different things. And, and there's still some parts that are manual. So everything was either automated or delegated. Connor and I weren't running the day-to-day -day operations of the business. We would manage the teams. We would promote it. I would go on podcasts and different things like that. But the actual day-to-day -day operation of the business was all outsourced. Great. And who? And then did you did you have an outsourced VA that was managing the VAs? Yeah, we we put in team leaders and assistant yeah. team leaders, and and that was a, a big part of it too. We had four core people who um, were a big part. They started with free up when we were nothing, and we had a very low revenue, and they helped us grow it to over eight figures. And they were wow. team leaders on customer service and billing and recruitment and. I mean, that's the worst part about selling free up is I don't get to work with them anymore, but we made sure that they were taken care of and all our VAs were taken care of. We, we took $500,000 from the sale and gave it to our team in the Philippines to, to make sure they were taken care of. And, and we also made sure no one lost their jobs. They continue to work with free up. We continue to check in with them and they were a huge part of growing free up. I mean, we could not have scaled free up without reliable rockstar talent that could not only do tasks, but could lead and manage and run teams for us. So we weren't constantly getting pulled in. Amazing. So over the, uh, how many years did you uh, have free up before you, you sold the business? Uh, four years. And you took it from startup to what in terms of annual revenue? Yeah. So we put in about $5,000 to start. We had no funding, no outside investment. we spent very little money on ads and we really grew it organically. In the first year we did about a million. In the second year we did about 5 million. In the third year we did about 9 million and we sold it with a few months, with a month and a half left of the fourth year, but we ended the fourth year around 12 million. Amazing. And what was down to, you know, where did you find you had to put the majority of the effort in terms of the growth? Was it on um, getting enough clients on board, you know, enough demand side because you'd already got uh, a very um, accomplished at sourcing VAs in the Philippines and where else? So you had to focus on getting enough clients? Yeah, good question. I mean, whenever you run a marketplace, it's always a little bit of a balancing act, right? And sure. I, I think we did a very good job balancing it. There was only one point in the four years where we were like, oh my God, we, we're running out of freelancers, but it doesn't take that much effort to get more freelancers. People are always looking for clients and jobs and stuff like that. And it was humbling. I mean, we were getting thousands of applicants every week of freelancers trying to get on the platform. So we never really struggled with the supply side of it. Obviously, going after clients is always a big focus. It should be the big focus of any business. So that was a majority of it. And the software was the other big focus because as we got bigger, people had higher expectations for what our software could do. And what you know, you look back now over that journey of growth, this was your second sort of scale experience. Um, what were the sort of things that you learned, you know, the hard way that you did got wrong and what things did you get right? Yeah. So I think marketing is really something that, that I just learned from scratch using free up. It's funny because people would run up to me at conferences and say, wow, you're such a great marketer. I follow you on social media. Like, how do you do it? What tips or advice? And in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not a marketer. I was an Amazon seller before this. You didn't have to market on Amazon. You put products <laughs> out that they, they market the products for you. That's why yeah, you're paying sure. Amazon the fee. So yeah. I, I think I really learned how to become more of a marketer, more of a brand ambassador, how to go on podcasts and talk to people and speak on stages. I mean, the first time I went on a stage, I bombed. People had negative feedback. I remember the person whose event it was like pulled me over and, and gave me the feedback and, and I learned and I practiced and I wouldn't say 
my natural comfort zone is going on podcasts or speaking in front of people or networking nonstop. But that's really what I've learned how to do. And I think it gives you a huge advantage when you're running any kind of business. For sure. And you obviously became very adept at delegating. Um, I see more and more entrepreneurs limiting their ability to scale a business because they're not willing to let go of certain of the key things that they have you know, done for a long time in their business. How did you get good at delegating or comfortable in letting stuff go? So it's funny, back with my Amazon business, my first busy season, the fourth quarter, Christmas time, everyone's buying baby products and toys. And sure. I, I, I hire an accountant because I'm making money for the first time. And the first question my accountant asked me is, when are you going to hire your first person? And I kind of shrugged him off. Like, why would I do that? That's money out of my pocket. They're going to steal my ideas. I'll do it all myself. I can work seven days a week forever. I love this Amazon business. And he just laughed in my face and he said, you're going to learn this lesson on your own. Well, busy season's approaching and we get busier and busier and busier. And all of a sudden I'm going crazy. I'm working 20 hours a day. I'm filling every order, responding to every customer service email. And my grades are plummeting. My social life is gone. And I work my butt off to just keep this business alive through the end of the year. And it gets to January. And in my head, I'm thinking, man, he was right. I can never let that happen again. I need to start hiring people right now. So I think whenever I, I think that I should be doing more and I add too much to my plate, I always think back to that because it just, your business can only grow so high by yourself. There's some ceiling there and for everyone it's a little bit different, but if you're not constantly taking things off your plate and handing them to other people, you're just going to keep loading yourself up, loading yourself up and, and eventually you're, it's going to explode one way or another. So I really implemented a 90 day rule where I don't do anything longer than 90 days. For the first month, I'm really figuring out what works, what doesn't work, throwing stuff against the wall. By the second month, I have a pretty good idea of what doesn't work and I'm kind of just fine tuning in and maybe I'm hiring someone by the end of that second month. And then I'm spending the third month training them and onboarding them and getting them to get those tasks off my plate and, and giving feedback and, and really encouraging them to take ownership and take that task over. So by the end of the 90 days, it's 100% off my plate. And that's really the mentality that I've taken since I learned it the hard way. So you're obviously a, a, a very curious guy and a, and a voracious learner because every 90 days you're learning a new task a new skill set you're not quite necessarily getting to mastery but enough so that you can systemize it and train somebody else you get somebody else up to speed and then you move on to the next thing a skill or that you want to master and want to learn yeah, I wouldn't say I'm mastering lots of different skills. I'm actually against that. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they have one or two core competencies and that's what they should be doing all the time. I learn enough to be dangerous and, and yeah. sometimes I'm not even learning enough to, to master it. I'm kind of experimenting with a lot of different things. I'm, I'm trying a lot of different things, low risk, high reward, and whatever working, I put more time, more energy into and, and then hand it over. And if something's not working, I pull back. Maybe I revisit it later with a different game plan, but that's really my mentality to, to business. Great. And do you, um, how do you find the time to manage all of those VAs? I know you've got some teams and you've got team leaders within the teams, but do you typically with your most senior team leaders have regular one-to-ones with them? 
Yeah, and, and I think this is the part that I'm most excited about with my new venture outsource school, which is going to teach people how we did it, how we interviewed and onboarded and trained and, and managed this 35 person rock star VA team. And you're right. I mean, it, it all comes down to how you manage them. I mean, you can spend a lot of time interviewing and onboarding them and training them, but if you can't get them to stick around and buy into your company and, and organize them, that's going to be a disaster. People are going to quit, they're going to leave, whatever it is. And what we did is we had, yes, we had Monday morning meetings and then we had team meetings each week and then we had one-on-one -on -one performance reviews with each VA, but it goes well beyond that. I mean, we built relationships with them. We got them to buy into the business. We built a great culture. We had team leaders and assistant team leaders. And when a new VA came into our team, they would have all these people to look up to on the correct way to do things. And, and all of that helps you build a, and scale a business using VA. So I'm really excited to kind of dive deeper and teach people, hey, this is how we ran a one-on-one -on -one meeting. This is how we ran our Monday morning meeting. This is how we got them to buy in over time to our business. So we became their favorite client. And all that stuff, I think, will help a lot of entrepreneurs out there. And do you believe there's certain within an organization there are certain roles or tasks that lend them uh, sells very well to be done by a VA and others that actually know you better having a, a, a member of team employed in the same sort of office or the same building as you? I'm, I'm sure there is. Uh, I personally am biased. I, I think you can outsource everything. I've had an office. I got rid of an office. It was probably one of my worst business decisions I ever made, adding overhead to a business that didn't need it. But just like anything else, you can learn to work better with a remote team. I mean, when I first started hiring VAs, I had no idea what I was doing. I think I offended some people. I was harsh. I was direct. And I went to Chicky Ann, who's been my VA for eight plus years. And at the time, she was one of my first hires and one of my best hires. And I said, what am I doing wrong? What do I need to know about people in the, in the Philippines? What, what do your best clients do that I'm not doing? How do I become everyone's favorite client? And I just listened and learned and, and adapted and, and improved my process over time. And, and anyone can do it. I don't think there's anyone out there that is, oh my God, no matter what happens, I cannot work with remote people. I cannot work with VAs. It's a skill that you can learn. And that's why I'm, I'm really excited for Outsource School. I think we're going to be able to share a lot of behind the scenes knowledge with, with a lot of people. I mean, for the past four years, I've gone on interviews and blog posts and all these different things, forms of content. But when you actually step, sit down and you're like, hey, here's a step-by-step -step process of how you interview, how you onboard, how you train, how you manage afterwards, I think that's going to benefit a lot of people and, and really open people's eyes to, that weren't open to hiring a remote before. I know, one thing I've experienced um, working with um, VAs and uh, in the Philippines is it also can be a, a, a very large range of hourly rates that you need to need to pay. Um, you know, some are akin to what you might pay for somebody in the US in dollars and some are significantly cheaper. So um, do you, what advice do you give around being able to find somebody the right quality but at a price point that, that doesn't make local employment as attractive? Yeah, good VAs in the Philippines are in that five to ten dollar an hour range. When I turn someone into a team leader, I make their pay go up as the business goes up, so it really incentivizes them. And the team leaders that free up before we sold them, and we kept the same plan in place, they were making ten, twenty bucks an hour, depending on who they were and when they joined the company. Some of them were up to like twenty three, twenty four bucks an hour. So, and they were worth every penny of it. And if they had left, that would have been a killer. They they were one hundred percent worth it. So, I encourage you to pay people what they want. I always encourage you to ask 
people what they want to get paid, what they'll be happy with and, and either match it or get someone else that'll be happy with it. You don't want to lowball people because they might take the job because they need a job right then and there. But the second someone offers them what they're worth, they're out the door. So find people that are going to be happy with what you're going to pay them and then reward them over time. Set up a bonus program, set up a raise program and, and do everything possible to retain talent. Because if you're investing all this time into interviewing and onboarding and training and you're not keeping people around, that's going to hurt your business long term and you're going to end up going in circles. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. And, and given obviously you're working especially with remote teams, you know, I often hear challenges in organizations, corporates I go that might have um, remote sales teams that are in different places around, around the UK, for example, and keeping morale, focus, um, alignment between those teams can often be a, a challenge. So obviously your, your remoteness in terms of your team, you probably never met many of the VAs you've worked with. So how have you managed to keep a sense of team focus and camaraderie and pulling together towards the same goals? Yeah, you got to make it fun. One of the things we did every Monday morning meeting is everyone would share pictures of their weekend. And that was oh, a wow. tradition that, that the Hoth, that people, the Hoth, the company that bought us, they carried on that tradition. And there, there's no foolproof, like if you do this, everyone will love your company, but we're going to equip people in outdoor school with stuff like that, that's small, that's easy, that doesn't take up a lot of time, that's going to build a family and, and going to make work fun. I mean, I enjoy working with the VAs. They enjoy working for me and it ends up being a win-win for both. And that doesn't mean that they don't take the business extremely seriously or that we don't have high expectations or high goals. And, and sometimes things are good. Sometimes things are bad and we're direct and we're honest, but it, it, you're going to just stress people out if you're all business all the time and you don't take a moment to build a relationship and get them to buy in and, and have a family culture and, and show appreciation. We, we actually call it our, our BARF method in the course, which is kind of a funny acronym, but it stands for buying in appreciation, building relationships and building a family among your team. And it's so Brilliant. important to, to getting people to, to stick around. Oh, that's so good. I love that. So tell me a little bit more or tell people listening more about outsource skill. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. We've been thinking about, or we've been asked to build a course for years and we just haven't had time. But now that our transition with free up is, is, is done, is complete. We're focused on outsource school and we're launching our first course called our, our IOTA method, cracking the code of virtual assistants. And IOTA stands for interviewing, onboarding, training, managing. Um, I know we have a lot of ideas of different courses and different packets and even different software that we think will help people with virtual assistants, but it all starts with this first course. And we want to make sure it gets out there at an incredibly high level and adds value to a lot of different people. So if you go to outsourceschool.com, you can get our VA calculator, which helps you figure out how many VAs you can actually afford in your business right now. You can get our case study. It shows a year by year breakdown of what VAs we hired in what order each year. And a lot of other free resources we'll be giving out if you join our newsletter. And then we'll be launching our course sometimes in the next 60 days. Fantastic. And what do you see as some of the trends then uh, in the uh, in the space of VAs? You know, uh, it, it, will people that are working out in the Philippines, the, the, the rate that they command go up so that then you're looking to get VAs from other territories? Or do you see an increasing use of VAs across even larger corporates as well as uh, um, startups and SMEs? What sort of trends do you see in the space? 
Yeah, I mean, prices are going up, but they're not going up to that extreme. I mean, it's tough to get a VA for a dollar or two an hour, which you could do 10 years ago. But at the same time, hiring someone in the US is is way more expensive. And I think everything's still going in this direction. We're moving more and more towards a gig economy, more and more towards working remote, more and more to having multiple clients instead of one. And I'm kind of excited to see where everything goes. It's been fun to be a part of it. I bet. I bet. And what's your vision for outsource skill, then is this one another one that you've you've got like a three four year time frame uh, to to sell? It's funny we never really thought, hey, we're gonna sell free up. We love free up. We continue to love free up. We love the people, the clients, the partners. One of our clients reached out to us and said, hey, we love free up. We're trying to get into the space, and we did a lot of due diligence on them to make sure they take care of their people and they have high level customer service and they have a lot more experience scaling companies than than we did. And it was something that ended up being a win-win for us, for them, for our internal team that who kept their jobs and got a large payout. And for our partners and clients, we think that they're, they're going to even be taken care of better with a, a business partners that have experience scaling large businesses. So that kind of came out, out of nowhere. And, and it's the first business we've ever sold. I don't think we're going into outsource school saying, hey, we want to be acquired. We're not focused on that. We're focused on how can we add value to as many people as possible and help their businesses. And at the end of the day, there's only so many ways you, you stop running a business, right? You either get funding, you sell it, you go out of business or you run it forever. And that's just the way life works. But we're not focused on that. We're focused on how can we build outsource school to really help a lot of people. And if we launch this first course and it doesn't help people, we're going to refund people and work on some other project. And, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But we're really focused on, on how can we make outsource school as good as possible. I'm sure. And um, given your experience over, over the two businesses that you've had um, over the last sort of 10, 11 years, I, I'm sure that there's uh, the content that you'll be sharing will be first class. If for somebody who hasn't yet engaged a VA that's felt much more comfortable having somebody coming into a physical office, somebody that they can see on a regular basis. Um, what's the kind of business case other than just um, the, the cost? What, what are some of the other benefits that somebody who's not used a VA might not appreciate of using a VA? I mean, if you're hiring just local, you're, you're really limited to your town and the towns around you. If you hire remote, you're open to the whole world with different people at different price points. You can hire some full-time, part-time, project-based. It gives you a lot of flexibility as a business owner. Yes, the affordability is great, but you also get access to lots of different skill sets that might not be in your local area. So, I think it's always great to meet people from other countries, to diversify, to have different people with different backgrounds work on your business. I think there's a lot of advantages there. Fantastic. And you've always found the time zone thing to be okay, something that you quickly adapted to? Yeah, it's all about setting expectations up front. I mean, if you're hiring people on call, set up a check-in time every day. If you're hiring people on a set schedule, make 100% sure that they're good with that schedule before you engage with them. So it's all about those expectations up front. Great, great. And you know, if you look back now over over the journey, what are the key things of the journey of scaling two businesses? What are the key things you think you got right and you would really encourage somebody else to be doing as they're growing and scaling their businesses? Yeah, try lots of different things. I mean, there's a lot of gurus out there that teach awesome stuff. There's some that don't, but you can follow them. You can learn from them, but don't be afraid to try things yourself. You don't always need to follow the crowd. Try lots of different things. See what's working. See what's not working. You don't need to go out and dump 20 K a month into Facebook ads, you can try lots of different small risk, high reward things. And that's how you come across 
things that'll really help your business, that'll give you a competitive advantage over other people and get good at things that other people aren't really focusing on. So do you have somebody, you know, my sense is that you're, you're obviously very creative. You want to try new things. Um, you're probably very good at starting projects off, but maybe, you know, people that have that strength are not always the people that will finish their pro, uh, pro, uh, sort of uh, thing the pro process off so do you have you make sure that within your va team you have people that are kind of will be the finishers of the process and get and, and monitor what's working and what's not working yeah i mean oh I have a business partner, Connor, who has the exact opposite skills as me, but we have the same values, the same beliefs. And then I like to surround myself with people who are not only followers and yes men, but can learn something and then bring their own expertise to the table to help it and own it and run it. And those are the kind of people I try to surround myself with. I, I don't try to hire five different Nathan Hirsch's. I try to hire people that have their own skills, their own abilities that are going to complement mine. Fantastic. Fantastic. And if you got, um, there was one piece of advice you would give to entrepreneurs that are wanting to play a bigger game, who are wanting to scale quicker and faster, what would that advice be? Focus on things you can control. I mean, there's so many things when you're hiring a virtual assistant you can't, you can't control from weather to health issues to someone being unreliable. Focus on what you can control, your interview process, setting expectations, how you train people, how you manage them, a lot of what we're gonna teach. And if you focus on what you can control, yes, here and there, you'll always have a bad hire. No one has a 100% hiring record, but your success rate, your success percentage will go up and up and up over time. And that's what good entrepreneurs do. I mean, there's very few solo $5 million a year entrepreneurs out there. If you wanna scale your business, you have to hire. And if you were gonna hire, you have to have a good hiring process and you should start building that process now. I love it, I love it. Your energy is infectious, Nathan, and your success really does speak for itself in terms of the businesses, the two businesses that you've grown and scaled. And uh, I, I think that the use of VAs, actual fact, you're talking to business owners that I, I do around the world, that yes there's a good number that use them but there's an even greater proportion that haven't really tapped into the flexibility the skill set the cost effectiveness of working with vas around the world so um you know if people want to find out more about how they can start to engage vas they need to go to outsource school so what's the um what's the url yeah, the URL is outsourceschool.com. If you go to outsourceschool.com slash VA calculator, you can get our, our free budget calculator that'll help you figure out how many VAs full-time, part-time that you can afford. And our case study is there too. We'd love for you to join our newsletter. We give away a lot of free tips, advice to, to help you along your remote hiring journey. And those of you that have any questions, you can always email support at outsourceschool.com. And incidentally, just as, a, as, an, as an aside, you've obviously really engaged in... Um, building the profile for your business through speaking at events and through uh, seeking to get on podcasts such as this, you've always found that to, to generate business for you and generate a return for you. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're, you're networking and connecting with other people and getting in front of other audience and hopefully adding value, which I, I try to do as much as possible. I think that the benefits come in, in lots of different ways from SEO, from referrals to, to people just knowing your, your name in a crowd. And I, I encourage people to, to get out there. I think I'm a natural introvert that somehow became an extrovert over time and yeah. um, it, it becomes fun. Right. 
inspirational hearing you today listening to your story around growth uh, i'm certainly going to go across to uh, outsourceschool.com and get on your mailing list and looking forward to to the launch of the, uh, of the program so you reckon so this is this this podcast will probably go out well we'll go out it's the time of the month of february so you are looking to launch what by april we said by the end of q1 if it gets done faster is obviously what we're pushing for but end of q1 last day of march is is the goal Fantastic. Well, knowing your drive and uh, the skills and capability of uh, your excellent VAT, I'm sure you're going to smash that target. Nate, thank you for spending time and joining us on the Business Mastermind podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, Gavin here. Whether you've got a team of 55, 5, or even you're a solopreneur, and you want to scale or grow your business, or you just want to get important projects completed and need the resource to help you, then virtual assistants can be really, really effective. They are very flexible, they're cost effective, and you can tap into a deep level of skill for a particular area of expertise that you need to get that project out that you really know will help move the dial and the growth of your business. So I I suggest that you just tap into Outsource School. And if you have got a link from Nate here for you, so it's bit.ly forward slash outsource BMP. That's Business Mastermind Podcast. So bit.ly forward slash outsource BMP. Learn how you're going to be able to get the best uh, selection and recruitment of the right VAs to help you for the right projects so that you can get those important projects done that will help to move the dial and the progression of your business. So that link again, bit.ly forward slash outsource BMP, Business Mastermind Podcast. Speak soon. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.